take your Bible, go with me to James chapter 4. Every one of us make plans. Uh, That's a part of life. You can't live successfully without making plans. Even now, today, I guarantee you, all of us have already decided and made certain plans about this evening, about tomorrow, uh, things we're going to have to do this week or we want to do this week. So we all make plans. Uh, The lives of the individuals in Scripture were no different. When you think about the word atheism, what comes to your mind? Well, obviously, you think what I think. You think about people who believe that there is no God. They don't believe in any kind of supernatural deity. Uh, In fact, one researcher, journalist Brian Resnick, according to him, both the Pew Research Center and Gallup Analytics. They conducted independent studies on atheism in America and concluded that one out of every ten Americans claim that they do not believe in God at all. That's what I call philosophical atheism. The belief and no God. And yet, Faith Church, listen carefully. I'm convinced that the passage here in James 4 verses 13 through 17, this passage points out not philosophical atheism, but practical atheism, that you and I as believers are prone to fall victim to. So I want you to look at your Bible at verse 13. James says, James, the half-brother of Jesus, James, the pastor at the church in Jerusalem, he says, writing to these Christians that were scattered abroad, he says, go to now. Ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, he said. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him It is sin. Ladies and gentlemen, practical atheism is living life and making decisions without factoring in the desires and plans that God has for every aspect of our lives. That's exactly what James is exposing here in these verses as he shows us three different approaches that you and I can take as people, and even as Christians, we have the tendency to take these approaches when making decisions. It's so important that in verse 13 he says, go to now. That's an old English phrase in our King James translation. And it literally means, hey, listen to me. But even more than that, it's more emphatic. It's, it's hey, lean in close. Tune in. Listen. He obviously has a burden on his heart. 
So let me give you these three approaches that James uncovers. First of all, we learn about the selfish approach. The selfish approach. He was writing to these believers. Some of them were businessmen. We, James already points out uh, in this book that these Christians were scattered throughout Palestine and even many had been scattered into Asia Minor and the, the different regions around that area. They had been driven out from Jerusalem because of persecution. Uh, they, they obviously were thinking about their livelihoods and making plans for their families. These were businessmen. They were very deliberate. They were self-confident planners. Like many of us, many of you, uh, we have businessmen and women in our church and uh, uh, even uh, uh, really in every field you have to be a planner. You have to be calculative and, and very deliberate. But it's interesting, James uses a word here in verse 13. He says, listen up, listen carefully, lean in. Those of you that say today and tomorrow, we will go do this and that. That word say, there's a very interesting word. It's the word lego in the Greek language. And it literally means that their speech, their talking, their, their verbiage was based on reason and logic. In other words, they had already carefully thought through everything that they were going to do. Uh, their decision-making was not off the cuff. It was very calculated, very deliberate. He says in verse 13, uh, you who have already planned, and here's what you've planned. He said, uh, we will go. In other words, as if it were already done. These folks had made these deliberate, specific, elaborate plans. In verse 16, it's interesting. He condemns their arrogant pride. He says, your, your rejoicing, your boasting. In other words, your planning is evil. Well, why in the world, Christian, would God say that their planning was evil? Well, here's why. Because this approach that these professed Christians were taking in their planning, it was ignoring God's specific will regarding the planning of their lives in various areas. Uh, James mentions in the area of time. They said, alright, today and tomorrow, we're going to go do this. And then they didn't count the Lord's planning. They didn't allow for God's direction when it came to place. They said, because we've already determined and decided we're going to go into such a city. And then they even left God out of the duration. They said, we're going to go there and stay there about a year. And they also left God out of the activity. They said, because... We're going to leave today or tomorrow. We're going to go to this city. And we're going to stay there a year and we're going to buy and we're going to sell. And then they even left God out of their goals. They said, we're going to leave today or tomorrow, go to such and such a city, stay there a certain amount of time. We're going to buy and sell. And the end result, they said, we're going to get gain. <laughs> we're going to make some money. We're going to make a profit. Our business is going to expand 
They left God out of every single part of their planning. Now friend, it was customary that if you were uh, any kind of dealer or merchant, uh, you would go and, and, and uh, sell different wares and different uh, items. This was the custom in the ancient times. They would go trade from city to city. They'd carry their goods on the backs of camels. They'd go to Tyre, Sidon, Caesarea, Crete, Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, Rome, and all the other cities around them. It was this kind of mercantile life that James alludes to, one writer said. There's nothing wrong with planning, friend. But the problem was they were planning without consulting God. Just like the man in Luke 12, verses 15-21. through 21. Jesus said unto them, listen to what Christ said, Take heed. And beware of covetousness. A good synonym for covetousness in our day and time is materialism. The endless desire for more. You beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Jesus spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'll pour down my barns. I'll build greater barns. And there I'm going to store and bestow all my fruit, all my harvest, all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he, Jesus said, that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's interesting in verses 17 and 19 through 19 in Luke 12, the foolish man used I, me, or my ten different times in three verses. God didn't call this man a fool because he was rich. God called this man a fool because he was selfish. And he made all of his plans without consulting God. In verse 13, back in James 4, it's interesting. They said, we're going to go buy. We're going to sell. That's, that's one term in the Greek language, and it's the word for emporium. It means we're going to go make merchandise. And God is not condemning good planning. He is condemning planning that excludes His specific desires, His specific wishes, His specific plans. God is not against you or me looking long range, uh, looking down the road and being prudent. No, God is for that. But He always wants us to make sure we're including Him and listening to Him first and foremost. Apparently these believers had taken the selfish approach. All they had on their mind was the end result, making money. That's a warning for us. There are some of us, friends, that battle covetousness, materialism. We would be described by others as being money hungry. Be careful about that. 
The devil may not trip you up and your besetting sin may not be lust. It may not be addiction or it could be addiction to stuff and a lust for more. Be careful about that. And that's why, dear friends, the Apostle Paul in Philippians, he said, I've learned in whatever condition, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. I know what it is to have stuff. I know what it is to go without. But God has taught me. I've learned how to be content. I'm going to serve Jesus and love Jesus and praise Jesus in spite of whatever I have or don't have. May God help us to get to that point. Beware, beware that we don't become practical atheists by living Life from a selfish approach. You see, the selfish approach makes plans without regard to God's superintendence over each and every situation. And I'm talking tonight to senior adults and I'm talking to single adults. I'm talking to married people and I'm talking to young people. I'm talking to everyone in uh, whoever's listening tonight. We can all be prone to make our plans and set our agenda without stopping and first saying, okay, Lord, I'm not going to make any plans. I'm going to let you make the plans and I'm going to follow your leadership. So he says, you beware, there's the selfish approach. Then number two, he said, verse 14, there's the silly approach. (laughs) Notice what verse 14 says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. He said, because life is like a vapor that appears just for a short time. You see, the silly approach is the approach that fails to recognize the transitory nature of this world and the fleeting nature of this life compared with eternity. Man, life here compared with eternity is just like that. Proverbs 27.1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, because you don't know what a day is going to bring forth. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We can't say, well, 10 years from now, no. no. We don't know we're going to have 10 years, 10 months, 10 weeks, 10 days, 10 seconds. We don't know that. He said our life is like a vapor, literally a little puff of smoke. And this life compared with eternity. And remember, it's eternity that really matters. So the selfish approach is making plans without consulting the Lord. The silly approach is making plans without considering the transitory nature of life. But then I'm glad he closes with the smart approach. That's verse 15. James taught us to say, now... If the Lord wills. That term is very interesting. There's a Latin term that the early church would use, and it's this term, uh, if the Lord wills. But the Latin term was Deo Valente. Deo Valente. DV is how they would write it. I'm told that when... The ancients would write their letters to one another in their correspondence, even sometimes in the catacombs. That you would see on the wall of the catacombs and at the end of the, the letters that they would write one another, when they would sign off, they would write these two letters in Latin. D-V. Deo Valente. 
in the letter, they would talk about what they think they had hoped would happen, they're praying would happen, but at the end of the day, at the end of their letter, they always recognized it the Lord will. It's all up to God. Whatever the Lord wants. Can I tell you, friend, that this is the only true, sensible, scriptural way to live life? This is Paul's attitude in Acts 18 verse 21 where Paul wants to return to Ephesus but he realizes, he said, look, this is all contingent on if the Lord wills. May the Lord help us to adopt this way of living. To qualify all plans with reference to the will of God. Show specific regard for God's control over the affairs of our lives and His plan for us, that we would affirm Jesus' Lordship over every area of our lives. So James talks about the selfish approach, making plans without consulting the Lord. He talked about the silly approach, making plans without regarding the unsure swift-moving, transitory nature of this life. But then He encouraged us, commanded us to take the smart approach. Friend, that's living life and making plans fully under the Lordship of Jesus. Deo Valente. DV, if the Lord wills. So as we close tonight, here are three takeaways. Number one, ask God right now to root out selfishness wherever it is hiding in your spirit. Let's pray the prayer of Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God. All of us deal with this at some base level, if we were honest. May the Spirit of God purge this out of us and root it up, root it out, and cleanse us. And then number two, pray and live out Luke twenty-two forty-two every morning, every day. That's where Christ says to the Father, not my will, but thy will be done. May we make that our earnest desire and prayer. Father, not my will, your will be accomplished in my life. At the outset of every day, every morning, before I leave my house, Lord, your will be done in every thing. And then friend, let's number our days and let's make them count. Remember what Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Moses prayed to the Lord and Lord, you help us. Help me. Teach us to number our days that we may incline our hearts to wisdom. Friend, Let's realize this world is not permanent and this world is not what we're living for. And this world is not our home. Let's live for eternity and let Jesus have His rightful place as Lord of all, even our plans. Let's pray. Our Father, help us not to become practical atheists, but to submit ourselves to Your will and Your Lordship in every area and every day. In the name of our King we pray.